Hello everybody and welcome to this next episode of Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick and Mary Franks. Welcome back to Dave Brennan who has been away for a couple of weeks. We're kind of reconvening after, I don't know, it's probably about four or five weeks now maybe. But uh, Dave, I'm picturing you down in sunny Cornwall, sun-kissed with your <laughs> cricket jump around your neck, eating a pasty. Remarkably accurate. Yeah, that <laughs> is pretty much my life at the moment. Um, I, uh, I, think, I think Cornwall announced itself totally full about two or three months ago. Um, I feel like we found a way in through the back door. We were asked to come and speak at a Christian home education families uh, camp. Uh, give, give some teaching on worldview stuff, abortion, mm. and so on. And uh, and of course, the plus side is we get to hang out by the Cornish coast for a few days, you know, so cool. all for sacrificial service in the kingdom of God, as long as it's on a beach. You know? <laughs> well, that's all right, isn't it? It's about, as in, it's about as international as you can get at the minute, isn't it? So, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. We, um, we've missed conversations. We, we spoke to Joanna last week. If you've not listen to that everybody go ahead and listen to the conversation with joanna um she brought some very kind of fresh developing thoughts about contraception which was a follow-on from our three previous conversations over the last couple of months and just to remind everybody the last conversation that we'd had as a threesome was dave's very touching open and honest uh, testimony from their family so um once again, if you've not listened, please do go back and listen to things in order. It makes most sense mm-hmm. um, doing that. But from that, um, several other things emerged. Um, can you remember what they were, Dave? Yeah, I think we, I mean, it was it was a bit of a whistle-stop tour through what for us personally was, I guess, years of yeah. seeking, praying, discussing, searching the scriptures um, so yeah, we touched on quite a lot. I think it would be, I mean, the, the, for those who didn't listen and, and I do encourage you to go back and listen, um, because I mean, probably even more than IVF and even more than abortion, no one's talking about contraception, uh, in, in the, in, you know, in the evangelical world and the Protestant church. And, uh, and for that reason, I think my wife and I, we felt a bit as though we were really starting from absolute scratch, which has its benefits, of course, but we really felt like we were having to go from from the very mm. get-go, just, well, does the Bible talk about this? And so on and so forth. I think, um, yeah, I think just for those who didn't listen or remind those who did, um, the, the funny situation we found ourselves in was, on the one hand, we were becoming more and more, for want of a better term, anti-contraception. Basically, uh, to put it mildly, very suspicious of the culture of contraception wary of the ways in which some so-called contraceptives work and ultimately we're coming to a general position of that you should just trust god take as many kids as come mm. um so on the one hand that was where our general position you could say was going and yet on the other hand personally um because of my wife's um health conditions uh during pregnancy specifically uh we actually came down on uh uh, into a position which on the surface of it is the exact opposite and that we actually undertook permanent essentially irreversible um action to uh to not have any more children so i think we could do with talking more about that because one of the reasons that was such a difficult decision to make was it felt in some ways contradictory mm-hmm. um and yet that's the decision we made i think it'd be good to explore that and see 
how we came to that decision. And I suppose where we, where you could say we broke ranks with what might otherwise be seen as essentially the Catholic position, which mm-hmm. is no contraception ever, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think what would be probably best for everyone today, well, just for for the fact that we're, t- we're talking's good, isn't it? You're, you're away on holiday or not on holiday. <laughs> you're away on ministry. <laughs> you're an extended, we're working really hard out here, mate. You're really an extended hard. holiday on the beach doing a bit of, uh, <laughs> a bit of speaking. Um, well, well, let's, let's talk about the, um, we'll, we'll kind of come back to your testimony. This, this is essentially, um, part five of this of this little thing we're doing clarifying i think i've what will we entitled it I think clarifying. It's clarifying contraception yeah. yeah um so we won't we won't do, should we save that is what i'm trying to say and then we can next week when we reconvene properly we can have a bit more of an outline of the things that r- were raised particularly during during that last episode should we talk about the Pro- protestant catholic thing that we spoke about mm. yesterday just briefly so, so this mm. is this is a shorter episode today, but um, just thinking there of of because you'd mentioned the Protestant um, side of things. I'm thinking of people like Jacob Rees Mogg, and I think he's got five children, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I know he's spoken and fairly clearly about being pro-life and you know um, so on and so forth. But we talked yesterday at. at just just in short about the catholic um stance which tends to be more in many ways biblical and healthy mm. and yet there mm. is still a fundamental um problem with that do you want to just mm. just remind folk about about that and then maybe we can we can all chip in with some thoughts yeah yeah sure so um the Roman Catholic position is, I agree with you, actually, largely, on the whole, it is much more biblical than your average Protestant's view, if if your average Protestant even has a thought-through mm-hmm. view of it. Um, that's what, that's what I position, Yeah, that's right. And the, I mean, the Catholic position is essentially that, um, and I say huge overlap in my mind with, with Scripture, so the Catholic view is children are a gift from God, um, Essentially, they would take the view that, well, look, children are the natural outcome of sex. It's it's the design, and it's not our place to try and edit or tamper with uh, the design. Um, and I think what's what's great about that is it's not just a kind of simplistic, um, you know, that's how we're made. Crack on. There are actually some some deeply held cultural values that the Catholic Church have held on to much more successfully mm-hmm. than the Protestants on the whole. So th- actually the, the honouring of the family, the honouring of motherhood in particular, um, a rejection of uh, individualism and a sort of self-centred outlook on, on life that, you know, mm. uh, and even on faith, you know, there's a danger for some Protestants that, that faith is a very individualistic uh, thing. Um, and so I think the Catholics have got lots of this right, um, and certainly more right than most of us. Um, but I think where, where I saw problems as I was thinking this through, and um, and a helpful sort of passive dialogue partner in this was a lady called Stephanie Gray, who is a, a sort of a distant 
CBR cousin, as it were. She she worked for Canadian CBR, and she's a very gifted apologist, very gifted writer, speaker. And I read a, a paper of hers on why she rejects contraception totally. Essentially, it's a very eloquent um, explanation of the, the Catholic viewpoint. And it was very helpful for me reading through that to, to see where we departed. Um, mm. and, 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 and perhaps it's just helpful um, to speak from that point of view, because I think it, it helps perhaps us to see where the Catholic position, to my mind, departs from Scripture. Mm. There's, there's a strong... Um, Greek philosophy, sort of Greek philosophy influence on parts of Roman Catholicism, um, Aristotle in particular. And this, this sort of natural argument, if you want to call it that, the idea that we should adhere very closely to the natural design and not try and change it in any way, although it has a Christian ring to it in many ways, I think actually it comes quite heavily from this Aristotelian idea, this Greek philosophical idea of the telos, the end, the purpose of things, that basically, um, well, in this instance, they would basically say the purpose of sex is procreation. Mm. So you can't take sex away from the act of procreation. Now, obviously, not every act of sex leads to procreation, but the Catholic position would be you shouldn't try and stop that um, that element. Um, and so they would say, uh, yeah, you, you should never try and essentially undertake contraceptive action. Um, and, and here's where I guess I differ and where I think it differs from the biblical witness, because it suggests that the only or at least the primary purpose of sex is procreation. Um, and I disagree. I just don't see that in scripture. Mm. Of course, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. from, of course, it's a good gift. Of course, it's part of the design. But actually, when sex is mentioned in scripture, it's often uh, not in connection with procreation. Mm. Read the Song mm -hmm. of Songs. Look at 1 Corinthians, what is it, 6, 7. Uh, they're not talking about procreation there. There's a lot more going on with sex than babies. So I reject that, that sort of premise, that claim that, that it's the only or the primary function. And I've also just noticed that this, this strictly sort of natural approach can lead to a sort of superficial, even, dare I say, a sort of pharisaical um, approach to the whole thing. So, for example, many Catholics, uh, and I think this is the official Catholic position, they'll embrace what's called natural family planning, which is where you essentially avoid having sex at the time of the month when you're most likely to conceive. And they say that's okay because you're not tampering with, you know, the act itself, and you're not you say, so that every time you're having sex, there's the possibility you can conceive. But to me, that seems a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what the best word is. Kill, you're killing, kind of, killing the moment. Well, there's that as well. <laughs> but, but I think you are, um, there's this pretense mm -hmm. that you're submitting entirely to the natural way of things. But the reality is that's just another form of contraception. Yeah, of course. You're deliberately not having sex at a certain time of the month purely for the reason that you don't want to have a baby. So I think they do fall into this sort of pharisaical, you know, washing the outside of the cup sort of thing. Um, and they feel like they've ticked their box to say we're not tampering with the natural design, but actually natural family planning is, well, I would say it's unnatural. You're, you're avoiding sex at the time of the month when your body is most designed, in a sense, for it um, at, at, with the desire of avoiding children. So there can be this kind of, um, yeah, I guess this pharisaical 
thing. And then I guess a third um, issue that I would flag is, uh, I guess, building on the first point, that this natural design, whilst it belongs to some degree in a Christian worldview, when we actually read through scripture, um, there is a, I could call it a, a deeper principle than just going with the way things are designed. Mm. It's not to say we disregard nature, we steward nature, we see God's wisdom in nature, but you look through the scriptures and you see um, action, which you could say is unnatural, that's clearly commanded by God. Mm. You, I mean, circumcision isn't natural. Mm-hmm. You're cutting off a part of your willy, not natural. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you go into uh, the the New Testament and Jesus talks about eunuchs, some people have made themselves eunuchs. He doesn't speak about that critically. Mm-hmm. These are people who essentially have captivated themselves. Yeah. That, that's not natural. And yet he seems to affirm that. Some people are called to that. He's do it voluntarily. And then I could I could point out the, um, the gift of singleness, though, some who forego marriage. Mm-hmm. In a sense, that's not the natural thing. And yet clearly some people have the gift of singleness. Mm-hmm. And of course, ultimately, the crucifixion the most unnatural at so many levels, the most unnatural event in the history of the world. And yet from that springs our salvation and our life. And, and that's the kind of love we're called to show to one another sacrificial in a sense, it's deeply unnatural. Mm-hmm. So that's where th- those are some of the things that, uh, uh, that characterize the Catholic viewpoint and where I, we um, yeah, came to differ from that. That's really interesting. And just on your first point, actually, that you made there about the purpose of sex, I think is a really important one to understand because, of course, how you view sex then is like a lens, isn't it? And into how you then can end up in quite a pharisaical understanding. But I'd actually read, uh, listened to, sorry, a really interesting podcast a few weeks ago, just when we were thinking about all of this by a it was on, um, I think it was the Gospel Coalition, and she was a doctor and really talking through contraception. But I felt the way she approached it was really balanced because she was actually talking about sex being twofold. So it's obviously procreative, that is one of the purposes of sex, but then mm-hmm. another purpose of sex being um, unitive. So it's mm-hmm. an important part of a marriage relationship. Um mm-hmm in most like virtually all cases um and i think just having that balance is is just very important and like anything we can end up swinging yeah too far one one way or another and i think yeah Mm -hmm. not not seeing sex as purely a procreative activity is also very important um Mm. for understanding many things not just not just contraception, but also marriage and um, marriage roles, men and women, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, 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 that's good. It's interesting that um, the key point of departure historically was 1930 when the Church of England, I think it was the General Synod or whatever it was, but it was 1930 the Church of England embraced the use of contraceptives. Now, the the assumption was that was in, in marriage, but it was a, it was a clear departure from the catholic viewpoint and, and I, I think you're alluding to this the way we often swing from one extreme mm-hmm. to another a lot of a lot of heresy is uh i guess you could say it's almost an extreme that's been overstated mm. 
and the balancing thing has been neglected. And it's possible that the Church of England was reacting against the Roman Catholic view, which mm. essentially disregarded, as you say, the other functions of sex or the other purposes. Mm. Um, but that's led to a pendulum swing where uh, the Church of England has helped to support a culture where sex is seen as only recreational mm-hmm. or unitive or whatever. And, and the procreation side has been almost entirely siphoned off, mm-hmm. um, even to the point of, as we've spoken about, you can have IVF where you can have babies without the sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there has been a, a pendulum swinging going on here. Um, and, yeah, we desperately need to come back to holistic and truly biblical vision of sex mm-hmm. and procreation or the rest of it. And that's why we're talking about this specific issue and you, why you and I had m- mentioned this yesterday because we've alluded to the Catholic position a number of times but, but equally it's important for everybody listening to understand that we're not endorsing um, a, a Catholic position generally because it's error. You know, you just talked there about heresy and it, what heresy may or may not um, be. You know, John Wycliffe would have been seen as a heretic for for coming against the Catholic Church and some of these um, extraneous biblical um, doctrines, you know. So mm. the, reason mm. we're, the reason we're talking about this today for everybody listening again is, you know, I'm just thinking about my conversation with Anne Widdicombe a couple of months, well, however many months ago now, and speaking with her about her um, reneging on evangelicalism and, you know, and one of the things she had mentioned as she went through to the over to the Catholic side, so to speak, it was this the you know the silence of the Protestant Church regarding abortion, yeah, compared with yep. compared with a relative um, outspokenness from the from the Catholic side of things. So, so mm. within all of this, we have to constantly keep in mind not only the the general landscape of the church. Um, it's all. It's also understanding from from a from a completely unsaved perspective. What does that look like? What does it mean mm-hmm. um, for for folk across the road who, for all intents and purposes, will just assume that the Catholic Church is just the same as a church along the road, even if it's not Catholic, because it's it's called a church. You know. Mm. 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 Yeah, and I think we've got to take responsibility for that as as Protestants, evangelicals. Um, of course, every individual will be held responsible. We can't blame anything on anyone else. But there is a reason, well, there are many reasons, but there's a reason why a lot of people are going over to Roman Catholicism, be that vicars or pastors or whatever else, because the Protestant Church has been so weak on these cultural issues. Mm. And many people have felt, well, there's, there's, there's nothing going on here in the Protestant Church in terms of standing up culturally to what's going on a clear voice on ethical issues mm-hmm. and that does um that does basically manifest as a, a really mm-hmm. serious temptation as it were you know a draw to go over to mm-hmm. roman catholicism yes. and perhaps to overlook some of the theological problems but that i think this is really this is really serious you know it's it's out of the frying pan into the fire isn't it it's not mm. we're not the kingdom of heaven coming isn't um, a le- the lesser of two evils. Mm, that's not the vi- that's not the vision for our lives. That's not what that's not what it should mean to follow Jesus. But I think, and that's the impression I get when whether it be Gavin Ashenden or Anne Widdicombe or you know whoever else. Um, mm. there there is this sense in which 
if if what we're saying is that we we can be more faithful in a Catholic context than in a Protestant Catholic context, whether it's to do with abortion or any other n- number of different issues. What What's the other glaring, obvious option? We're, to to my mind, at least, it's obvious that something brand new in in the sense of and this is this is where you begin to start feeling. Oh, I mean, are we sounding her- heretical here? It's not new in the sense of it's just biblically faithful. And it's not new yeah. because we read it in the pages of the Bible in terms of the book of Acts particularly. Mm. But gosh, don't we need something more positive and more faithful than just thinking, well, the Protestant church are crap. Let's be honest. When it, when it comes to the, the, the issues we're talking about, they are woeful. And we're part of the system. We're part of that. Mm-hmm. There has to be something more hope-filled and faithful to Scripture than just saying, okay, well, let's... Let's go and join the Catholics, even though the Catholics are fundamentally heretics and, and fundamentally in error themselves. There has to be something better. Yeah. yeah, there does. And I think when you're looking, if you can pull out, I think, Dave, that you're saying about there's a moment in history where, you know, 1930s, you can look back and say, we've just essentially changed our mind on something. Mm. Um, without a real proper theological underpinning as to why that is, um, yeah. you know that's that in a, in and of itself is an indicator that people are just making decisions based on whatever feels right to them at the time, or is simply, as you say, maybe a reaction to something else. Well, there would have been a reason why certain people wouldn't have been Catholics originally. So, like Gavin Ashton, chaplain to the. To the to the Queen for however many years, you know there would have been a reason why he would he would have been part of the High Anglican context, but nevertheless he wasn't a Catholic, so there would have been a reason for that, as there would have been that Anne Widdicombe, another example, wasn't a Catholic. So the question is, what happened to those? What where's that rationale gone? Mm. You know, mm. and and it, again, it, it seems so retarded, mm. so regressive to me that. You know the, these these folk who are supposed to be in there. You know, in terms of the stage of life that they're at, and the, the, all the vast experience that they have, and the, the skills and so on. I mean, you know, that it's it's such a poor model, isn't it, of of spiritually navigating through serious theological issues? Is just to say, well, you know. Mm. Mm. So I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't want the podcast to take on a kind of um, a kind of another half an hour thinking about that necessarily. <laughs> but I think the, my main point with this, I don't know about you, you both, but it's just that I, I firmly believe that that the Lord is doing something completely new within His body by way of preparation, and it might be that we're another couple of hundred years away from Him coming. But, none, but nevertheless, you know, I don't. I don't. You know, I just. This conversation about abortion, contraception, IVF, fertility things generally, and some of the things that we've covered over the last however many months doing this together, it's it's part of a preparation of the the bride on the earth as we prepare, as we mm. become more ready for his appearing. It doesn't look like just turning a blind eye to some major issues, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I'm preaching to the yeah. choir here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We 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 desperately need reformation. Um, the, the, our, our kind of 
the, the extent to which we're just absent without leave on these critical, critical mm. issues. I mean, these are these are the things that make everyday life. These are mm. life and death issues. This is yeah. how you treat your wife. It's how you treat your children. It's it's everything. This this is the bread and butter of everyday living, and therefore it's the kind of material that's the fabric of real discipleship, and we're just nowhere, mm. nowhere at all. Yeah, and that's just not okay. We we can't just say, oh well, you know. Let's just crack on and and have our, you know, Sunday sermon as per usual. Mm. We've we've got to. We desperately got to mm. face up to these things because, as you say, it, it, surely there's got to be a better option than stay with something that's continuing to ignore the great issues of, mm. of the day, or just go over to the Catholic Church, which has those things written pretty well on paper. Um, but you know, you're you're, you're most likely going to be in a, in a church that's that's dead religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's got to be something better. It's, it's definitely the lesser of two evils mentality. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, there's nothing about that that's attractive to me. Uh, I know that that yeah. would probably sit with some people more comfortably on, or maybe naturally than others. But I'm just speaking personally. I don't know what it, feel free to chip in. We've got a few minutes left, literally. But, you know, it, I can understand why that way of thinking, which I think in itself is probably a symptom of of the general spiritual landscape, that you can kind of just just shapeshift a little bit or morph a little bit into a, a different part of the denominational spectrum. Um, mm. it, it, it is such a... It's such a negative thought that for me, rather yeah. rather than this, and and because w- one of the things that's so good and so strong about these conversations we have is that we invariably come back to the scripture and maybe the Psalms and focus on, um, you know, worship. You know that that's really what this is all about. It's the wholeheartedness, mm-hmm. isn't it, of our sanctification, not a a, a shifting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've made the point. There needs to be something. There is something mm. better. We know that there's something better. But I, I, I would love us probably in a more planned out way, Dave. Sweet, what do you think to to talk about this? This to talk about Catholicism. Let's just talk about Catholicism mm. for for at least one session and how because when we talk about contraception, it is it is quite a cliche, isn't it, to think of the Catholic Church? Mm. It is, you yeah. know, an Irish yeah. kind of Catholic thing mm-hmm. and. Um, and I don't want to assume that that folk listening to this will understand why the why Catholicism mm. is not faithful to the scripture and to what we're trying to to, to do. So shall we do that? That's an excellent idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. Just to have that understanding underpinning it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just have to be about contraception, you know, it no, can be just, about yeah. so so we'll come prepared to do that and mm. Dave, the three of us I think, you know, there's great chemistry to do that from from three perspectives um but i think for the for the sake of this podcast today we'll just pray and i think that's that certainly um i don't want to just uh, you know airbrush out what you were saying earlier as well dave because i know that you raised some some good reflections from that last episode we did together so we'll kind of combine the two um but i think for folk listening there there is something better than just it kind of tolerating or putting up with the lesser of two evils approach to mm. these ecclesiologists. And I, I was just thinking about John Wycliffe earlier on this afternoon and, you know, John Wycliffe's um, giving us the full the full translation of the English Bible, obviously William Tyndale's 
role within that as well. But these guys were regarded, Wycliffe particularly, was regarded as as a heretic. Mm. Um, and that and that's not just the, the from the Catholic point of view, from the Protestant, you know, mm. rejected, called into question for his ecclesiology. And ultimately, what we're talking about here is ecclesiology. Um, so should we? We'll do that next next week, um, assuming that Dave's Dave's back in the office, and you know, Lord willing, etc. Mm. Should we pray? Should we should we pray? Yeah, let's do it. God, we do we do want to commit this to you now, and uh, Lord, we're grateful for you, for the we're grateful for these conversations, and we're grateful for people listening and engaging and growing and pushing back sometimes. But Lord, we we thank you for the desire that you've given us by your Spirit for wholeheartedness. We recognise in ourselves personally when we come before you in private just as our head hits the pillow or as we come into the secrecy of prayer we we recognize the the struggle between the flesh and your mm-hmm. spirit we recognize our um half-heartedness a lot of the time we recognize that often the standards that we measure ourselves against are not the standards that we should be measuring ourselves against what i think you want us to be more intense i think you love the thought of our intensity in some of these ways and please protect us from looking over our shoulder what other people are doing and saying lord i pray that we would have such an awareness of your spirit's work in our life and that that would be the governing umpire of all of these different things lord we we thank you for revelation within this we thank you for your word we thank you for the unchanging nature of your word and that you are fully that you are un- uncompromising. I love that about you, Lord, that you don't, you didn't compromise, you didn't cut corners, you didn't settle for the lesser of two evils. And so, Lord, mm. we ask you, with that phrase in mind, where there is great evil, I pray that you would, mm. like Hosea, that, that as you come to restore and reform and renew your people, that you would reveal iniquity and... Lord, that you would do that in high places of government. You would do it in... in Do it, Lord, do it. Do that. Reveal iniquity in whatever place that it is. And we ask all of this because we long for faithfulness mm. in your body on the earth. We pray in mm. your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Mm. Yes, Father, I think someone defined vision is holy discontent and Lord I just ask that you would stir up a holy discontent amongst your people that we wouldn't just tolerate silence and apathy and indifference um, to things that you really care about you deeply care about Lord I just ask that you would um, want strength and courage to those who see these problems but perhaps just feel I don't know fatigued um, faithless um, just not up for um, for the, for the for the strife of of contending for these things, Lord, I pray that you would work them up into a holy mm. uh, discontent and um, and and uh, a position that says it's just simply not okay to carry on like this. We think of your prophets. We think of uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, who said that zeal for your house consumes me, and uh, he took it upon himself to 
drive um, the, the nonsense of fake religion from the temple. Mm. And uh, Lord, I pray for a, a similar spirit today, Lord, that we would not simply overlook heresy, not overlook um, silence mm. where there should be a really clear uh, trumpet call. Um, Lord, I pray that we would uh, take that to you in prayer, wrestle mm. and and say, Lord, we 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 can't go on like this. We, we need you to act. We need... Um, reformation we need repentance mm. we need renewal mm. so lord I, I ask that you would yeah just take hold of those who are listening in on this and um if this has caught their attention anyway if this is tugging at their heart bringing conviction lord please give them the grace not to suppress that because it's been convenient mm. or uncomfortable yeah. but lord the the faith to take hold of that and to feed it and to listen to that mm. um that conviction and and take it to you in prayer and mm. yeah, contend for a much greater proximity, Lord, to your heart in the way that we mm. see things, the way we do life mm. together individually. But we do pray for mm. a, yeah, a great new work amongst your people in your mm. body, Lord, to, to be really bringing pleasure to you in the way that we engage these things mm. um, under your word. Mm. Just, uh, just uh, um, kind of in and out of prayer here in a way, but just, just the thought I have in my mind seems quite clear, just to me anyway. Just now, and I want to just say this because it might be helpful for, for all of us, or some of us in particular. Just that there is this historic tendency to, um, to look to centralise leadership and public figures and, um even just local church pastors or what have you, but to verify the convictions of our hearts. Mm. Um, and that might not always be wrong. There's a, there's a biblical wisdom in seeking advice and counseling. You know, there's a talks about that, doesn't it? He surrounds himself with count many counselors or something is wise. I can't remember the exact proverb or Psalm, but nevertheless, in, in terms of, being like the men of Issachar, you know, who, mm. who who knew how to interpret where they were. This this current juncture that we're at is, I think, characterized is going to be increasingly characterized by um, this intense focus on the home, on the on the secret place. Mm. Um, that and that doesn't to say me to say that each man to his own. Everyone, you know, and there's no accountability, and uh, you know. There's no, um, there's no objective truth or what have you. What I'm meaning is, in terms of these convictions that we have in our hearts about issues that often we need, we feel this sense of needing leadership in. We mm. need some kind of pastoral or leadership oversight or support or just to be. Um, so, Lord, I pray as as we all go to bed tonight. And Lord willing, as we get up tomorrow, that we would know that we are before you and that you've given us your spirit, that you indwell us, that you live within us by your spirit. And that when you speak to us, that we wouldn't um, delay, that we would be quick to respond to the prompts that you give us, the convictions that you give mm -hmm. us, whether that be for personal repentance, whether it be for encouragement to do something mm -hmm. or to move in a new direction as a world 
changes. We we recognize something of the hour that we're in where the historical normal points of reference have changed in so many different ways. So Lord, I pray that for folk listening, that they wouldn't feel the need, they would know the joy of the anointing on their lives by your presence mm-hmm. in their lives and in their hearts. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name I pray. Mm-hmm. Lord, we just we pray that as your people we would not settle for less, Lord, that we would we would not be drawn in continually just by the understanding that has just cloaked church culture for so long that an issue is too big or not actually that important or is a personal choice, Lord. I pray that we would we would just you would just bring renewal within your people, within mm. our hearts, within yes, our minds, Lord. Lord. I pray that you would mm. you would help us to see just as Dave was speaking about earlier, God, that our this is the our daily lives, that our daily lives are not insignificant moments of time. Your word talks about our our words are to be, our thoughts are to be in your word from mm. the beginning mm. to the end. It is to be our mm. meditation. Mm. It is to be our our rising and our going to bed in the middle of the night thinking of you, Lord. And I pray that you would bring that sense of centrality of your word to the the what feels like insignificant daily moments mm. that many of us just look at and think aren't important and yet those are the very moments that make up the worship in our lives and that make up our relationship with you Lord and I just pray that that we would begin to see these issues that the world have has deemed and decided are not important and too personal to be spoken about Lord that we would be willing as your people to go after them and to speak about Mm. them to be courageous in the way that we tackle them Lord that church leaders would not avoid them that there would just be an exposing and a discussing that would take place Lord Mm. that that would throw out the old boundary lines around these things Lord Mm. and make us willing to be Mm. open and just able to talk about it Lord in a way that is honouring to you and glorifying to you Lord Mm. so we just all Mm. we can pray today Lord is for renewal we need you spirit there's no other way of doing this Mm. there's Mm. no other way we can Mm. we can't get there by hard work we can't get there by Mm. we need you spirit to help Mm. us to feel the weight of these issues and to to feel the responsibility of them as well, Lord. Just give us that that within us, within us, that we need to do it, Lord. So we just mm. ask these things today, Jesus, mm. in your name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church. We trust that it's been both provoking and challenging as well as inspiring and comforting in the midst of this very evil present age. If you'd like to get behind what we're doing, if you'd like to support us through prayer and through financial support, we'd be deeply grateful for both of those two ways of supporting. And you can do that and find out a little bit more information about that by going to firebrandnotes.com forward slash give that's firebrandnotes.com forward slash give we'd be deeply grateful check it out 
and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Maranatha. Arthur.